Real News. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. Heard it from him first, guys. So happy Friday. It is May 15, 2020. And um, yeah, that that kind of sounds. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. Sorry, I had to play that a couple times just to listen to it and let it percolate for a bit. Um, Not only will he go down in history as the worst president of the United States, but like I said, it's all about to come down. It's all about impeachment, impeaching 44, demonstrating just to what extent they have taken this, just what he did. And this is actually going to bring transparency to the people to understand that for decades now, for decades now, elections have been fixed for decades, which is pretty incredible if you if you ask me. And that is a reality shocker for so many people going forward, you know, because you have to, in retrospect, think, Geez, I thought I voted for that person. Geez, I actually thought my voice mattered. No, it's uh, it's it's fake. It's not real, and uh, that's that's the way it is. And people are going to realize that they've been, you know, shafted all these years, thinking that they were voting for people when they were not, because everything was always fixed. It was always a facade, and the facade, the mask of these mainstream media clowns from all these people, these these. These masks have fallen. They have done it themselves. They've pulled their own pants down so you can see who they are. So I wanted to play a short clip about the Obama administration being under scrutiny amid Flynn fallout, which is scrutiny. Let's take a listen. Let's say the president should be focused on the pandemic, not the unmasking and the the 302s with Michael Flynn. Yeah, the president is focused on both and good try everybody but you dragged all of us and this entire nation through nonsense for two years the taxpayers footed the bill 40 million dollars we complied with all those subpoena requests produced over a million pages of documents of 500 witnesses i think and, and on and on and on or 500 subpoenas and nothing was found i think we've got more evidence here of wrongdoing than they ever had in their phony russia collusion Mueller investigation folks let's quickly review the facts it's early january 2017 we're supposed to have a peaceful transition from the obama administration to the trump presidency i'm right here in this white house on january 5th 2017 having lunch with eight-year obama administration veteran senior advisory valerie jarrett the same day they're cooking up their scheme in the oval office and what was our lunch about she was very gracious and cordial she said president obama wants us to help all of you who are coming into this new white house i now have her old office and upstairs in the oval office they were cooking up a scheme that then went to trump tower the very next day when comey pulls the president aside after their intelligence briefing and mentions this ridiculous dossier to him uh... then everybody house intel report april 2018 James Clapper subsequently acknowledged discussing the dossier with CNN journalist Jake Tapper and admitted that he might have spoken with other journalists. We know one of these unmaskers, one of these officials who asked for the unmasking, one of the 40, likely leaked to the Washington Post in or around January 13th, the same time Joe Biden himself, who wants to be your president, 
was requesting the unmasking. So we already have more questions than answers. And the idea that people at the Department of Justice and others cannot be looking at this while the president leads us through the global pandemic, the financial and medical crises is ridiculous. Today in the Rose Garden, the president will be announcing vaccination update. It's going to be incredibly impressive. Do you know that the NIH started looking at vaccine development on January 11th? March 2nd, the president invited the commercial labs into the cabinet room. I was there, and his, his opening comments were, we're here to talk about therapeutics and vaccines. Just yesterday, NIH and Dr. Fauci at NIH announced that they're starting a new COVID-19 treatment, hydroxychloroquine, and, and is this the, the antibiotic drug that I can't pronounce? Yeah, the z -Pak. So this is all very exciting. The development, we're going to have the military and the private sector and the health professionals working on vaccines. FDA has cut through so much red tape and regulation on President Trump's watch. Normally what would take years to approve has been approved in the matter of weeks. That's why this is all called Operation Warp Speed. This president has been working nonstop on the global pandemic for months and months and months. And it is nonsense for people who got caught red-handed now to think that we as Americans don't have a right to know who was doing what at the top levels, right. uh, top levels of this of the Obama White House and of our government. Why weren't they trying to help us? Why not? Why wasn't Joe Biden saying, "Hey, incoming Vice President Mike Pence, let me try to help you here"? Uh, instead, they were trying to unmask Mike. They were unmasking mm -hmm. a General Flynn, right. and then coming into our White House four days into the administration to interview him. To to trap him. This is what they did. So, okay, about the vaccines, that's actually about to go live and we're going to stream it live uh, once it starts. I have a stream up for us so that way we can hear it live and uh, comment on it. Because I know a lot of you are concerned about the vaccines, concerned about something he said about using the military to go in. Uh, you know, that's how he loses the election. And he knows that too. You must listen very carefully to what is being said. Look at what cures they're not giving us. Look at what cures and possible treatments that you can have that are constantly under attack. That is all you have to do. The evidence that we have is so immense because they want to keep you locked into your house. They want you to be scared of your own shadows, scared of your own people, you know, scared and living in fear. So the, the evidence that you have that this was not about coronavirus, but everything else is incredible. I, uh, I actually listened back to the announcement from the governor in the state of Ohio. His health director said, well, it turns out that a lot of the tests we were doing were picking up other coronaviruses and testing them as COVID because they were just coronaviruses. And coronaviruses means the shape of the virus. Uh, if you heard carefully yesterday when I played the part where uh, governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, was talking about his testing, he was like, we're using PCR. That's DNA being analyzed. So how do you make people fully dependent on the government? How do you force people to stay in their homes and be scared and want to vote by mail because they're scared? How do you 
use <laughs> everything against the people. This is how you change the discussions. This is how you take away the talking points our president had. I mean, for his, you know, a reelection, he was going in landslide and he's still going to go landslide, right? Still going to go landslide. But how, how, what did they do? They took away his ability to talk about a great economy, done. They took away his right to rallies, which were killing him because nobody would, it was like five people showing up for anybody else. You know, uh, they were pissed that China was forced to sign a deal. Remember I said the ink wasn't even dry yet. And we had impeachment and coronavirus. It, it's all too coincidental that all of this comes back. Right. And this is how you protect someone like Joe Biden from physically being at the baits, because then we're going to see what AI, what are we going to see? A deep fake of Biden talking, uh, you know, uh, on the debate stage, which is electronic, which isn't even him. This is why you push conventions. This is why you push everything. This is how you do it. And this is how you steal elections. That's the way it is. So the only thing you have to think about always when you see moves like this is to follow the money. Who's making money on this? Who is making money on this? Is this really about your health? Is this really about the, remember uh, the tweet that I put out in March and, you know, suddenly Twitter decided to say that I'm a bot. Yeah. It was like, Hey, coronavirus is about impeachment. Hey, it's being used. It's politicized. So look at the people that are telling you no one's politicizing coronavirus and even on the right saying it. So, you know, you can't say it because then they call you nuts. You can't talk about it and say, well, what about this, 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 this? Oh, that's just an after effect because coronavirus, you're all going to die. You know, that's what they tell you, right? So when do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? How do we end this tragedy? How do we stop it dead in its tracks and say losers by saying, oh, look, we got a vaccine. So all of you that want vaccines that are terrified, come out and get them. You know, they might even just be sailing. It might just be sailing fluid, just, you know, placebo. I'm just saying, and we can't because then the Democrats are going to look. So I'm just saying, so just go ahead and get yourself a vaccine. We can all get back to work. That's how it goes. I mean, you can't tell the people what's going on. You got to show it, you know, and that's the only way people are going to see exactly what is going on. I mean, the president of the United States, right? The president of the United States <laughs> that we have right now had the best unemployment rates, right? The lowest ever, the lowest in history, an economy that was booming, everything. So what now? Do you watch him win it while we're poor? And... <laughs> He's going to win it by a landslide because it's not going to work. So this is it. You know, if they say, hey, we got a vaccine, come and get it. Go and get it if you want it. He's not going to force you to get it. You know, he's not going to force you to get it. He's going to say, get it if you want it. Obviously, there's going to be people that are going to say, you better go get it. Well, why are you worried about if they're going to get it? They're not going to get it because they don't want to. You're vaccinated, so you're fine. They're just going to die. Okay? Leave it alone. So here's where we're going to give vaccines to everyone. 
<laughs> this is so perfect. Like genius, genius. And you know, it was always that. That's how you end it. Uh, that's how you end this pandemic. This is how you take away their thunder. You get in front of it. So he's going to talk about vaccines. He's going to talk about how he's going to implement it real quick. He's going to say, well, here's what we're going to do. It's coming from my military. My military is going to hand them out. You're not going to CVS. You're not going anywhere else where they might give you something tainted so they could say, look, this person got an injury. And then, you know, oh, no, we can't take the coronavirus vaccine because it's not good for you. Watch. Watch. So we need to have all these. So when you hear him say the military is going to be handing out, da, 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 it's important because they won't stop. They will try to say, well, it's not good enough. Now we're all going to die. He's going to take care of it. Okay. He's going to deal with it and he's going to try to take away their thunder. They're going to fight it. They wanted a vaccine. Take it. They don't want a vaccine. Don't take it. Bottom line is the Democrats are going to fight this vaccine too because they need to keep you indoors. They need to keep you scared. They need the infodemic to continue, this pandemic to be extended because you know Joe can't have a debate with President Trump in person. There's no way. They have been working tirelessly creating, and this is a developing story, <laughs> creating, you guys. They've been creating a, a super algorithm program that literally shows Joe Biden talking. So, you know, deep fake. We've been talking about deep, fake, deep fakes before. So this is, uh, you know, it's pretty incredible. So now I wanted to play a portion of, uh, you know, the Barstools guy on Tucker yesterday. Take a listen to what he said and what he did and what happened to him likely be seen as a turning point for the better. Last night, a short video appeared on the internet. It was not produced by epidemiologists. It was shot on an iPhone in a kitchen by a guy who runs a sports site. But in three minutes and 37 seconds, Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports laid out perhaps better than anyone ever has the absurdity of our current lockdown strategy. Here's part of it. What the f*** is going on? When did this become flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve to we have to find a cure or everyone's gonna die? Find a cure? Who says we're gonna find a cure? People have been mentally preparing. We're doing what you ask. We've done exactly what you said. Now you're changing the rules. In barely 24 hours, that clip, which you should look up if you haven't already before it's pulled down, has been viewed close to 5 million times. We're happy to have Dave Portnoy join us tonight. So Dave, what inspired you to do this, to, to make this video? Well, I mean, if we're being honest, Tucker, I've been in the stock market, the stock market tanked, and a lot of it tanked basically on, you know, uh, Fauci going before the Senate and talking about the future and the L.A. mayor saying he was going to lock the city down um, until they found the cure. Uh, and I'm in New York City, so I'm in the heart of it. And, you know, I've been inside. I haven't gone outside in months. And to me, New York City is kind of at, you know, corona fatigue, like the rest of the country. But everybody is trying to do their best, which is yes. stay inside, social distance, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. That kind of the combination of the hearings and the, or, or the, the Senate and the L.A. mayor, that to me came out of left field. It's like I hadn't been hearing that. We were all I, I felt like there was a collective positive vibe in the country, especially in New York. We're getting close. We're getting close. We're getting right. closer. You know, every every update seemed more positive. Um, there were open beds. People were you know, you weren't hearing the horror stories necessarily anymore. 
and then this comes out of left field, like, we're no closer than we were two months ago, it seemed. And at this point, you know, I, I, I started Barstool. I started Barstool 17 years ago. And the main gist of that rant, and it really shouldn't be political. It shouldn't be left. It shouldn't be right. It shouldn't I don't be think anything. it is political. Yeah. Exactly. But if you gave me the choice, it took me 10 years, a decade, working almost 24-hour days, no exaggeration, to turn the corner and become successful. If corona hit at that moment, I would have been out of business and everything that I worked for 10 years gone, flushed down the toilet. At the very least, and Barcelona's going to make it, so thank God, um, we're in a good shape, but a lot of people aren't. And at the very least, they should have the option. There's risk, fine. I don't know what to believe. There's so many, you know, you hit different things. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Um, yeah. And I think most doctors, Fauci, will be even like, there's a new disease we don't know, we don't know what we're dealing with. Fine. Give me the choice then. Let me go outside and risk potentially getting sick, or do I want to ruin my business? Because if it was me, I would rather die from corona than have to start over, work a nine-to-five, fight. How are you going to get a job? How are you going to put money on your family's table when the economy is going to be gone? So that was really the rant. It's At the very least, I feel bad for people who aren't given the choice what's worse losing my business, my livelihood, or the chance of getting this disease, which we honestly know so little about, I feel like. We're no closer. That's what that's what I think the problem is. So you've been attacked as some kind of science denier for putting this on the Internet pretty bitterly. Forbes just showed a whole piece about how you're wrong. But you've taken this seriously from the beginning. You just said you've been endorsed for months. It's not like you've denied the reality of the disease. Tucker, a week ago, I said everybody, I did the same exact rant, except it was about masks. And this is a lot of people on, on I guess, the right would disagree. I said, hey, everybody wear masks. You know why? Because if there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that somehow helps and gets people back to work, then throw it on. There's nothing to lose. So I've been on both sides. I'm not trying to make a political. And by the way, the Forbes guy I uh, he's I haven't seen the article. He sent me an email five minutes before I came on and said, um, basically, everything you said was garbage. Do you want to defend yourself? But apparently already went to print. So, yeah, it went to print hours ago. That's kind of the way it works. Sorry about that. Um, NASCAR apparently is going back online on Sunday, I think. Darlington, maybe. Um, I know you're a NASCAR fan. Do you think other professional sports will soon come back? Should they? Yeah, it sounds like they are. I mean, the holdup in baseball sounds more about the money side of it. But, you know, the NFL, I think they will. And, you know, I, I've had my differences with Roger Goodell, even though I don't know if you heard, I, I, I am going to spend a Monday night football in his basement with him. But, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> He's come He's submitting. Back. Yeah, yeah Ro- Ro- Roger Goodell, he doesn't care about anything. He, he may be the guy that gets it back in the streets. Huh. Well, that's probably good news. And, and finally, like, what's your plan now? That you've been you've been holed up. You've expressed your frustration. You think the policies are stupid, which they are. How are you going to live going forward? I mean, again, this isn't the crazy thing is this isn't about me personally. Barca will be fine. I feel bad walking around the city and all these restaurants that you're starting to see, you know, signs that say we're not coming back. And the crazy thing is, if you go for a walk on the Hudson River, like today when it's 75, there's tons of people outside. So 
the policies aren't necessarily even keeping people inside. It's just keeping businesses closed. And by the way, if Florida's open and New York's closed, guess what? I'm going to Florida and then yeah. I'm coming back to New York and lots of people are going to do that. So the whole thing isn't going to work. The policies are flawed regardless of how you look at it. If not, everyone's working together. A lot of people aren't coming back to New York, and that's, I don't know if they get that yet. That's the sad thing. Dave Portnoy, thanks so much for this. You look great for a man who's been in quarantine. Yeah, his hair looks good, and well, kind of. It was flying around. But see, that's the thing. They're, they're insane. They want to protect themselves. They want to win these elections. They're keeping you indoors. It has nothing to do about your health nothing to do about your health. And you know what? That was a great comment by Gavin. So like I said, you know, President Trump wants to have control of these vaccines, one, so that they don't start the narrative, oh, the vaccine is causing harm, it's killing people, or it's not good. He wants to control the quality, but he also wanted to get ahead of the who, right? The who that are saying, well, we're working on a vaccine, we're going to, who wants a Bill Gates vaccine? Definitely not me. Definitely not me. There is no way in there is no way that anyone would, you know, even if they were scared of dying, that they would sit there and say, I fully trust, you know, Bill Gates, except for this clown. We I'm in charge of the appropriations over the WHO, at least a part of it. And what I want is see a change of leadership, because I think they conspired with China to downplay uh, the, the nature of the virus that they reported all through January. There was no evidence of human-to-human transmission. I've lost confidence. The money that's being suspended will go to other people throughout the world to, to deal with health issues. The WHO has great scientists, but it's lost confidence. I've lost confidence in the leadership. So a guy like Bill Gates, if Bill Gates was in charge of the WHO, I would double the funding because I think we need a WHO, but he's not. No. Well, okay. We, I'm in charge of the appropriations over the WHO, at least a part of it. And what I want is see a change of leadership because I think they conspired with China to downplay uh, the, the nature of the virus that they reported all through January. There was no evidence of human-to-human transmission. I've lost confidence. The money that's being suspended will go to other people throughout the world to, to deal with health issues. The WHO has great scientists, but it's lost confidence. I've lost confidence in the leadership. So a guy like Bill Gates, if Bill Gates was in charge of the WHO. What? Did you hear it? I played it twice. A guy like Bill Gates, if Bill Gates was in charge of the WHO. Okay, does that convince you? I mean, I've been saying Lindsey Graham is a loser, you know, for like years. Can you see it now? He's the one that wants the gates of hells unleashed onto the people of the United States. He endorses Bill Gates. Are we insane? Is this really true? Now, now I want you guys to to hear another portion of what you know um you know Tucker Carlson had to say about the coronavirus hoax this is a hoax and you know and Georgia the state of Georgia was actually put and shamed you know for trying to move on from the lockdown they've been shamed Stacey Abrams of course made her debut remember her uh you know which is pretty insane and let's not forget 
all these White House correspondents, you know, prior to uh, being on camera, remove their masks, you know, once it's over, they're not social distancing. Uh, you know, yesterday I told you guys how in the city of Minot, North Dakota, you can get charged with a felony, a felony. Well, no, I'm a li- I, that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm, I'm wrong on that. It's not a felony to not do conduct. It's misdemeanor. Gosh, I'm reading uh, charges that just flew through. Sorry. I'm multitasking. It is a misdemeanor with 30 days of jail, $1,500 fine. Check this out though. That's unconstitutional, of course, right? That they're going to charge you with a crime misdemeanor on your record for not complying with it, right? Completely. But the people that made that rule are actually in a picture with no masks and not social distancing while promoting the fact that they're going to round you up if you don't talk about, uh, you know, your business or if you don't give them your phone, because this is another thing, they take your phone to get the location data from like Google Maps and stuff. And if you don't confess to everyone you've met, so they're the ones saying that you're going to get in jail, you're going to get fined, but there they are with no masks and not social distancing. They're like elbow to elbow posing for pictures. It's like as if they know something we don't kind of like the white house reporters that are in there with their masks. And then when the, when the meeting's done, they take them off and they're all not social distancing, kind of like they know something we don't, right? Maybe I don't I don't know. Flu season is over and nothing's happening. So what's going on in California is preposterous. What's going on around the United States is preposterous. More to come. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. 
For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So uh, we're going to continue with this little coronavirus thing. Hopefully we get uh, President Trump live uh, so we can hear it for those of you on the road, for those of you, uh, you know, uh, currently not able to stream it yourselves. Um, I want you guys to be able to hear it. Uh, So I'm going to just play that clip that I had for you, which was so incredible of Tucker to put together about how the state of Georgia was being shamed for trying to move on from lockdown they're shaming people from trying to get past this take a listen it was reopening the state of georgia would be flattened by a tidal wave of corpses it was that dangerous even stacy abrams took a break from campaigning for vice president to offer an assessment we honestly don't understand the mayors of our largest cities have all expressed deep concern as have our scientists this makes no sense and it doesn't improve our economy it simply puts more georgians at risk Yeah, she seems to know what she's talking about. You should know, though, that Stacey Abrams is delusional. At one point, she announced that she was the governor of Georgia, which from a mental health standpoint is one step from claiming you're Napoleon. Now, Abrams imagines she is a public health expert. Best to humor her on that. Just nod and look interested. Chris Hayes is not a scientist either. He's MSNBC's most ardent male feminist. But he still has strong views on epidemiology. Hayes was so upset by the idea that people in Georgia might go outside without permission that he suddenly found himself arguing that everyone must obey the Trump administration. If that sounds insane to you, you're not alone. And for the record, Georgia does not meet the White House guidelines. It does not have a 14-day trajectory of declining cases. It has tested less than 90,000 people out of a population of more than 10 million. Mayors in Georgia are describing the governor's decision as reckless, dangerous, and illogical. Oh, the voice of overpriced Brooklyn. We must do what the White House tells us, he screams on MSNBC. That's how dangerous it was. Mark this day, wrote one longtime Washington reporter, because two and three weeks from now, the Georgia death toll is blood on Governor Brian Kemp's hands. Well, as it happens, we did, in fact, mark that day. It was April 25th, 2020, when the reopenings began. That day, Georgia had 650 new cases of coronavirus. Yesterday, which was 18 days later, Georgia had a total of 555 cases of coronavirus. 
Infections and death in Georgia have been declining since early April. That's why they began to reopen it. There are still sick people in the state. There will be for a while. Some of them will die. But as of tonight, Georgia's numbers, the actual numbers, are no worse than the national average. And that tells us a lot. We should be thrilled by this news because it suggests that America can begin to return to normal, restore rights stolen from the population, maybe even treat citizens like adults once again, and not court medical disaster. You would think our leaders would be racing to the podium to share this great news. But of course, they're not just the opposite, in fact. They're doubling down on authoritarianism. They enjoy being in total control of your life. They do not plan to relinquish the power they receive from this pandemic anytime soon, if ever. The city of Los Angeles, for example, has extended its lockdown through the end of July. Citizens there will have to wear masks at all times, even when they're outside where the risk of transmission is minimal. Mayor Eric Garcetti did not explain the science behind these commands. There isn't any science. Instead, Garcetti told his city that until there is a, quote, cure for the virus, life will never go back to normal. Never. The mayor did not mention that it's possible. In fact, it's likely that there never will be a cure for the coronavirus. Whatever. Nancy Pelosi didn't ask questions about it. She just quickly endorsed the whole thing. There are a lot of people in Los Angeles County who are saying, whoa, three more months. I can't survive this as a small business. I can't survive this as someone who's out of work. Well, of course, I agree with the decisions of the people on the ground in their particular venue and location. So, yes, it's it's inconvenient, but it's even more inconvenient if you're going to uh, be infected or worse. Yeah, it's inconvenient. Yeah, it's inconvenient. But it's not as inconvenient as getting infected with a deadly disease, says Pelosi. It's a good talking point, by the way. Hat tip to the 26-year-old staffer who wrote it. But as a factual matter, it is wrong. For the overwhelming majority of Americans, the lockdowns are far worse than getting sick with the Wuhan coronavirus. If you're under 60, the odds of dying from this virus are fewer than 1 in 1,000, probably less than 1 in 10,000. The odds, meanwhile, that government lockdowns are making you poor and destroying your life, those chances are far higher than that. Ask yourself, how many healthy middle-aged people do you know who've died from this virus? Maybe you know someone. How many people do you know who are now unemployed and terrified of the future? Probably a lot. Washington Governor Jay Inslee, not a math guy. He's not calculating probabilities like this. Inslee apparently believes that everyone in Washington state faces the real likelihood of dying from the virus. And that's why he's ordered officials in the state to track who goes to restaurants and who they eat with. Because that's not a Chinese police state tactic or anything. This contact tracing, obviously, if, if you have somebody who's become sick and they were sitting right next to a person at a restaurant, to be able to identify that person could be very valuable for their health to try to save their life And so we put that uh, uh, in place. Yeah, it's kind of weird that the authorities are taking notes on who you're having dinner with. But, you know, it's for the public health. So submit. It's not like politicians would ever misuse that information or anything. So sleep well. And don't forget to send in a blood sample so the government can sequence your DNA for public health reasons. Nobody in America is enjoying all of this more than Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. It's always the most mediocre people who love fascism the most. It gives them power they never dreamed they would have and indeed don't deserve. Whitmer wants this moment to last forever. 
She's enraged that anyone would dare to complain about it. She went on ABC yesterday and dismissed any citizen who disagrees with her, needless to say, as a racist. She promised that disobedient citizens in Michigan, serfs, will be punished with even more severe lockdowns. These have been really political rallies where people come with Confederate flags and Nazi symbolism and and calling for violence. This is uh, racist and misogynistic. And I ask that everyone who has a platform uses it to call on people to observe the best practices promulgated by the CDC and to stop encouraging this behavior because it only makes it that much more precarious for us to try to re-engage our economy, which is what everyone says they want us to be able to do. Yeah. Not only is it racist, it's dangerous to the public health. Of course, it's dangerous to the public health. I mean, remember how I told you that video of Pelosi in Chinatown talking about fortune cookies was important. Remember when I played that the day she did it and I said, remember this video because you're going to need it. Remember how she said, there's nothing wrong here. Do you remember that? How's we remember how, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates coming out as if he's the god of disease. Remember, dropout, not an engineer, not an immunologist, not a doctor, just a really rich guy that had some really good ideas that might not have been his and stolen anyway. So why is it that the people like Fauci and Burks didn't talk about this from the beginning. Why is it? That was at the end of February, right? The last like 25th, 26th that Pelosi was saying, everything's totally fine. What are you talking about? Until they decided, you know what? Let's run with this, right? Why is it that, you know, um, the people are attacking the elderly? I mean, obviously, the more older you are, the more conservative you supposedly are. Why are they putting them in there? Why are they sticking them in nursing homes when we had given them, you know, uh, you know, all these mobile areas of treatment, we gave them ships they didn't use. Like, why is it that this is happening? These are questions all of you should be asked. Why is it that, you know, hydroxychloroquine is now being limited on how it's being issued on who can get it, which not only is keep this in mind, a remedy if you are sick, but also, uh, maybe even, a cure in a way. So think of all of these things that are being pressured and out and all they want is what, what, what have I been saying? They wanted test, test, test. You mean harvest DNA, harvest DNA, harvest DNA, track, trace, monitor you, China. Hello. I mean, now they have to admit that all the deaths that I said at the beginning of March are being inflated. They were laundering deaths. When are we going to get the audits of these deaths? Huh? Suddenly nobody's dying from the flu. Nobody's dying from heart attacks. They're all getting COVID. That's the thing that people need to see. Remember the really smart African president who was like, let's test this. Let's put, okay, here's some DNA from this fruit. Uh, Here's some goat DNA. And you know what? Let's just take this off my shoe. And all of it came back COVID-19 positive. So (laughs) they didn't even bother testing it. Or did all of those have coronaviruses that are so vast and different that they're still being called COVID-19 like they admitted in the state of Ohio? So why, and, and just pay attention. 
Look at where all this, oh my gosh, we have so much. They're putting in quarantines. They're doing things. They're all in states like, you know, that, 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 that have changed the face of the electoral college, right? They're going for states with the most electoral votes since they didn't get to remove that. They're going for states like Pennsylvania, right? Just look, look at Arizona. They're going after that. They're going after New Mexico. They're going, obviously California and New York. I mean, the more you keep people inside, the more we could shuffle. Now think, obviously they want you indoors because they want to push this vote by mail, right? Or online. Well, think about it with the contact tracing. They'll know exactly where you are, who you are, where you go and what you do. So if you contest the vote, you know, they've got to prove that you voted. How are you going to prove when it's anonymous? You can't. Do you get a receipt for your vote that shows what you voted? So that way you can match it up with a barcode? No, because that could be a breach of privacy and somebody can see what you voted. So here it is where they get to push that. They get to push, well, we need to be safe. Everyone's going to die. Like I see it. I went out today two times because I've been working on these massive, massive stories. And it's just so difficult to... um to, uh, the, the, the three huge ones. And I've been working on them. One came in and then the other one, thanks to Paul Sperry, I'll talk about them in the second hour, but I went out and people are actually terrified of their own shadow. There's people wearing masks everywhere. You know, um, my building has like specific hours where, you know, you can open up your shop or not. And I was thinking, well, that's dumb because if you're only allowing people within four hours to go shopping and stuff, that means you're going to have more people. And then they're closer. That defies the point of, of, of social distancing. Uh, I see the Starbucks right right at my doorstep. They have like little stickers for social distancing and you can only use the app. Here we go. No cash. All app. Do you see what I'm saying? They're making it a cashless society too. That's what they wanted. They're getting everything they want. They're going to get the vote by mail. They're going to get everything if we let them. Okay. So so how do we shift this narrative? How do we shift the narrative that they're pushing? How do we move it? How do we end this? The one way of ending it is like telling people that we have a vaccine. So here we go. He's live. Let me put him on right quick. And it's with a delay of like two minutes. Here we go. Here he is live. There we go. This group for joining us as we announce a historic groundbreaking initiative in our ongoing effort to rapidly develop and manufacture a coronavirus vaccine. We're joined by Secretary Steven Mnuchin, Secretary Mark Esper, Secretary Alex Azar, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, FDA Director Dr. Stephen Hahn, Director of the National Institute of Health Dr. Francis Collins, uh, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks. We're uh, joined by a very terrific group of professionals. Tomorrow will mark 30 days since we released the White House guidelines for a safe and phased opening of America. That's what we're doing. It's the opening of America. We're going to have an amazing year next year. We're going to have a great transition into the fourth quarter. As of this morning, almost every state has taken steps to begin reopening, and the American people are doing an extraordinary job of continuing to take precautions while at the same time wanting to start and they will be starting to resume their American way of life. We uh, 
We'll be reigniting our economic engines. We're going to be taking care of our most vulnerable, which are our senior citizens and some others. We're going to be working very, very hard on our senior citizens and our nursing homes and various communities to support those that are struggling in this very difficult time. Others don't have the same kind of struggle. For example, today, Secretary Perdue, together with Ivanka Trump, launched the Farmers and Families Food Box Program, which will provide $3 billion to help small farmers. And uh, it'll be helping farmers, ranchers, but it'll be bringing food to some of the food lines and some of the food kitchens that you've been seeing on television. And I said, why aren't we doing that? We have all of this tremendous food produced by our farmers and our ranchers. And so we're going to be buying $3 billion worth of that food. Great for everybody, our farmers, our ranchers, and the people that need great food. A key feature of our reopening plan is the largest and most ambitious testing system in the world, by far. America is now conducting close to 350,000 tests per day, an unthinkable number just a short while ago. More than anybody in the world, by far, suggesting many states now have excess testing capacity to monitor for new outbreaks. Florida, many other states have so much testing, they, the testers are waiting for people to show up. It's great. Another essential pillar of our strategy to keep America open is the development of effective treatments and vaccines as quickly as possible. I want to see if we can do that very quickly. We're looking to, uh, when I say quickly, we're looking to get it by the end of the year if we can, maybe before we're doing tremendously well. From the earliest days of the pandemic, we have marshaled the genius of American scientists and researchers from all across government and the private sector, from academia, from everywhere to vanquish the virus. And tremendous strides have been made. I can tell you, I get to see it every day. Tremendous strides are being made. Scientists at the NIH began developing the first vaccine candidate on January 11th. Think of that. Within hours of the virus's genetic code being posted online. So January 11th, most people never even heard what was going on January 11th, and we were out there trying to develop a vaccine, not even knowing what we were up against. Then my administration cut through every piece of red tape to achieve the fastest ever by far launch of a vaccine trial for this new virus, this very vicious virus. And I want to thank all of the doctors and scientists and researchers involved because they've never moved like this or never even close. The NIH and the HHS have also been working constantly with private industry to evaluate more than 100 potential treatments. The Food and Drug Administration has swiftly approved more than 130 therapies for active trials. That's what we have right now, 130. And another 450 are in the planning stages, and tremendous uh, potential awaits. I think we're going to have some very interesting things to report in the not-too-distant future. And thank you very much to Dr. Hahn. Through a historic series of funding bills, my administration is providing roughly $10 billion to support a medical research effort without parallel. I especially want to thank Senator Steve Daines of Montana for his incredible work. He has worked so hard to secure additional funding for vaccine development. He has been right at the forefront.
Today, I want to update you on the next stage of this momentous medical initiative. It's called Operation Warp Speed. That means big and it means fast. A massive scientific, industrial, and logistical endeavor, unlike anything our country has seen since the Manhattan Project. You really could say that nobody's seen anything like we're doing, whether it's ventilators or testing. Nobody's seen anything like we're doing now within our country since the Second World War. Incredible. Its objective is to finish developing and then to manufacture and distribute a proven coronavirus vaccine as fast as possible. Again, we'd love to see if we could do it prior to the end of the year. We think we're going to have some very good results coming out very quickly. In addition, it will continue accelerating the development of diagnostics and breakthrough therapies. The Great National Project will bring together the best of American industry and innovation, the full resources of the United States government, and the excellence and precision of the United States military. We have the military totally involved. We're also working very strongly with other countries who are also uh, have some great, great scientists, doctors, and we're all working very closely together, and they're viewing us as the leader, and we are uh, — the relationship with other countries on solving this problem has been uh, incredible. To date, Operation Warp Speed has brought together all of the experts across the federal government from places like the NIH, CDC, FDA, and many other agencies. This historic partnership will now bring together the full resources of the Department of Health, and human services with the Department of Defense. And we know what that means. That means the full power and strength of military, the military. And that really talking about the logistics. If we get it, when we get it, that means the logistics, getting it out so that everybody can take it. And today, we're proud to announce the addition of two of the most highly respected skilled professionals in our country, worldwide respected. Operation Warp Speed's chief scientist will be Dr. Marcef Slowy, a world-renowned immunologist who helped create 14 new vaccines — that's a lot of our new vaccines — in 10 years during his time in the private sector, one of the most respected men in the world in the production and, really, on the formulation of vaccines. Joining Dr. Slowey as Chief Operating Officer will be General Gus Perna, a four-star general who currently oversees 190,000 service members, civilians, and contractors as commander of the U.S. Army Material Command. That means logistics. That means getting it out. We've got to get it out there. So, General, thank you very much. And, Doctor, thank you very much. It's great to have you on board. Really highly respected people. Thank you. These two outstanding individuals will provide more details following my remarks. In preparation for this initiative, experts throughout the government have been collaborating to evaluate roughly 100 vaccine candidates from all over the world. They have identified 14 that they believe are the most promising, and they're working to narrow that list still further. So we started off with over 100. We're down to 14, and we have some really interesting choices to be made. They're doing very well. Through Operation Warp Speed, the federal government is providing unprecedented support and resources to safely expedite the trials. Moving on at record, record, record speed.
While we accelerate the final phases of vaccine trials, Operation Warp Speed will be simultaneously accelerating its manufacturing and manufacturing process. In other words, we're getting ready so that when we get the good word that we have the vaccine, we have the formula, we have what we need, we're ready to go, as opposed to taking years to gear up. We're gearing up. It's risky. It's expensive. But we'll be saving massive amounts of time. We'll be saving years if we do this properly, and that's what we're doing. So we're gearing up on the assumption that we'll have in the near future, relatively near future, a vaccine. Typically, pharmaceutical companies wait to manufacture a vaccine, a vaccine until it has received all of the regulatory approvals necessary, and this can delay vaccines' availability to the public as much as a year and even more than that. However, our task is so urgent that under Operation Warp Speed, the federal government will invest in manufacturing all of the top vaccine candidates before they're approved. So we're knowing exactly what we're doing before they're approved. That means they better come up with a good vaccine because we're ready to deliver it. This will eliminate any unnecessary delay and enable us to begin providing Americans with a proven vaccine the day our scientists say, we're ready, we got it. And as we work to bring critical medical production back to America, these vaccines will manufacture that we're going to be focused on and manufacturing. They're all going to be right here in the USA. Now we're working, as I said, with other people outside, and that's fine, too. Uh, we want to get to the solution. We know exactly where the other countries are, and uh, we'll be very happy if they were able to do it. So I'm going to continue uh, this, um, and I'll see you guys all after this break. We have uh, no ego when it comes to this, no ego whatsoever. Operation Warp Speed is also making the necessary preparations to distribute these life-saving treatments at scale. So we're talking about mass. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to continue um, just streaming the questions now that the president has said. For those of you that are going to listen to this on the podcast, you're going to hear the whole um, discussion that the president had. Now we're finishing off with Azar, and the president is going to take some questions. Capabilities. We will deliver. We will win this fight. And, Mr. President, thank you again for all that you've done. You. We will get the job done. Thank you. I know you will. I know you will. Uh, any questions, please? Yeah, go ahead. Mr. President, you said no vaccine. Vaccine or no vaccine, we're back. What did you mean by that? Uh, 
We think we're going to have a vaccine in the pretty near future. And uh, if we do, we're going to really be a, a big step ahead. And if we don't, we're going to be like so many other cases where you had a problem come in. It'll go away at some point. It'll go away. Uh, it may flare up and it may not flare up. We'll have to see what happens. But if it does flare up, we're going to put out the fire and we'll put it out uh, quickly and efficiently. We've learned a lot. Steve, do you have a question? We've heard that uh, the vaccine typically would take 12 to 18 months to develop. How can you do it in a speedier fashion? What makes you think this will work? Well, they started actually, I guess you heard in January, early January, and they've been working on it. I've, I know so many and private companies have been working on it. The government's been working on it. Uh, so we've got the time because we put a, a very and they've literally been working 24 hours a day. So we've got uh, we've got the time and we hope to be able to do something by the end of the year or shortly thereafter. But again, you know, it's not solely vaccine based. Other things have never had a vaccine and they go away. So I don't want people to think that this is all dependent on vaccine, but a vaccine would be a tremendous thing. And I will tell you therapeutically or therapeutics, uh, what's going on there is uh, equally as impressive. We have some things happening. You know, we have the Rendisivar from Gilead. We have uh, other things that are very good. I think that uh, a lot is happen happening therapeutically. I can't say that it's uh, relatively speaking, equal to what's going on with vaccines, but I think it's uh, it's doing very well, very well. So therapeutics are a big factor. Yeah, global, please. Is there a global competition to develop this vaccine? Like, if France develops it first, will they share it with us? Yeah, if uh, and we have that very well worked out. Whoever gets it is going to be very proud to give it and and develop it. They've developed it, and we'll see what happens. Uh, We've got countries that are allies that are we have some countries, frankly, that aren't allies where we're working very closely together. So we're working together with many different countries. And again, we have no ego. We have no ego. Whoever gets it, we think it's great. We're going to work with them. They're going to work with us. Likewise, if we get it, we're going to be working with them. So it's very important. It's a very good question, actually. Yeah, please. Mr. President, what do you say to those business owners and other people who are really questioning the guidance that the CDC put out last night? There was a concern that it would be overly prescriptive. Now there's a concern it's not prescriptive enough. What are business owners to do? Well, I thought the guidance was very good. I've heard very good reviews on the guidance. And, you know, the media will never be satisfied. If we gave you more description, that would be no good. If we gave you less, that would be no good. But I thought it was very good, and I've heard a lot of good things. Go ahead, please, Green. No, Abbott's a great. Uh, it's a great test. It's a very quick test, and uh, it can always be very rapidly double checked. If you're testing positive or negative, it can always be double checked. But it's a very good uh, test. Very portable. Very quick. Okay. And then what happens if China is, is the country that develops the vaccine? What happens if it's China? Will the U.S. still have access to that vaccine? Uh, I would say the answer to that would be yes. I would say the answer would be yes. Yes, go ahead, please. Do you mean a fully approved, you mean a fully approved vaccine for everyone? You, excuse me, you're going to have to remove it. You can't hear through your... Do you mean a fully approved vaccine for the entire general public or a partially approved vaccine for emergency? 
What does she say? Through the mic. Sorry, let me repeat that now I'm closer to the mic. Do you mean a fully approved vaccine for everyone, the full public, or a partially approved vaccine with emergency use? No, we're looking for a full vaccine for everyone that wants to get it. Not everybody's going to want to get it. But we're looking at a full vaccine. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, we'll. Yes. So the answer is the answer is yes. We're working for a fully approved vaccine, but we'll also use the tools we have. For instance, emergency use authorization um, as as appropriate. We use all of our regulatory tools to bring vaccine available for the entire American population by January. Okay, and then, Mr. President, could you just clarify why are some of you wearing a mask and why are some of you not wearing a mask? We've all been tested. I've been tested. We've all been tested, and we're uh, quite a distance away, and we're outdoors. So uh, I told them, I gave them the option. They could wear it or not. So you can blame it on me, but I gave them the option. We could wear it or not. Yeah, please. Would a U.S. vaccine be available to the rest? Would a U.S. vaccine be available to the rest of the world at an affordable rate, at a low cost? Uh, The last thing anybody's looking for is profit in terms of what we're doing. Every company... They want to get it out. We've had that. We've had a great experience on Rendisivar. We've had a great experience on everything we've done. People are looking to come up with the answer. They're not looking in, you know, typically they're saying, oh, how much am I going to make? How much? They really have been. There's been a great spirit on this. They want to get to the bottom of it. And I think we'll be able to do that. Mr. President, uh, the Indian-American community is appreciating your help in, in fighting the vaccine, coronavirus. What is your message to those 4 million Indian-Americans here? So uh, India has been so great, and uh, as you know, your your prime minister has been a very good friend of mine. I just got back a short while ago from India recently, and uh, we're working very much with India, too. And we have a tremendous Indian population in the United States, and uh, many of the people that you're talking about are working on the vaccine, too. Great scientists and researchers, yeah. We're ver- working very closely also with India, correct. And say hello to your prime minister. Yeah, please, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. What uh, steps, if any, is your administration taking to ensure that the communities and the states that are hardest hit will have uh, first access to the vaccine? Have these discussions been had, or are there any plans? Yeah, I think we've done a good job with that. Uh, Certain areas have been hit very hard, New York, New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. You know, working very closely with the governors. We've worked with all of the governors. We've made a lot of people look very good with what we've done on ventilators, with what we've done on testing. We're working with all of the governors. We just sent a big transit package to New Jersey. I just spoke to the governor of New Jersey, who's a a terrific person, by the way, I have to tell you. And I just told him a lot of money's coming your way for the transit. And uh, also, I spoke with the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo. We just uh, had a conversation yesterday. We're sending them a lot of transportation money so it's important but we've had a very good relationship working with all of the states regardless all of the states and if we do get fortunate enough and i think we're skilled enough but fortunate enough to have a vaccine uh, it'll get out fairly and quickly do you foresee that states that are hardest hit will have first dibs so will like new york and new jersey have- i think that makes sense perhaps uh, you know perhaps it does but you know i would say probably but i think they're all going to get uh, well distributed. You know, if, if you remember where we started, we had no ventilators. Uh, it, we had to make them. And we became a very major manufacturer of ventilators. Now we're helping countries all over the world with ventilators. We're sending them to many countries all over the world. 
when we started, we didn't have ventilators. We, I inherited nothing. I inherited practically nothing from the previous administration, unfortunately. Yeah, go ahead. Mr. President, it's been three months since you signed the China trade deal. Between what's happened with coronavirus and the lagging agricultural purchases, are you at any point considering reimposing additional tariffs on China or tearing up the deal in any other way? Well, I don't want to talk about it. I can say China is buying a lot of our product. Uh, but the trade deal, the ink was barely dry when this came in from China. So it's not like we're thrilled. Okay, go ahead, please. Mr. President, can I ask one more? Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you're standing by the nomination of Michael Pack to lead uh, Voice of America after news that the D.C. Attorney General... Is well, I don't know what happened. I know that Voice of America is run in a terrible manner. Terrible. Uh, they're not the Voice of America. They're the opposite of the Voice of America. And we have a man who is very good. I don't know. Uh, he's in the nominating process. But uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, please. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, if public confidence is the main thing of getting people back to work and back to schools and so on, is this even possible without a vaccine? How would it be possible without a vaccine? Public confidence. Well, I think a very big factor, frankly, is that very few people are, you know, we read about all of the very sad, very tragic. I've lost friends. Many of us have lost friends. We read about that and we see that and that's what the news covers. But uh, a very, very small, it's a very small percentage. It's a very, very small percentage. I say it all the time. It's a tiny percentage. Uh, the vast majority, many people don't even know they have it. They have it or they have sniffles or they have a very minor sign and they recover, not only recover, they probably have immunity, whether it's short term, long term, but they have probably immunity. And I think people have to understand that. That's why I think the schools should be back in the fall. I think that lots of things should happen. I don't think that you should have 70-year-old uh, teachers back yet. They should wait till everything is gone. I don't think you should have a professor that's 65 and has diabetes or has a bad heart back necessarily or somebody that's older than that. But uh, we want to see our schools back. We want to see our country start to work again. We created the greatest economy in, in the history of the world. And we're going to do it again. And you're going to see that next year. And it's going to start. You'll start to see it in the fourth quarter, maybe even before that. Yeah. Are you at all concerned about children or teachers who are in the, in the school bringing it home to their families, to their I'm spouses? Their I'm concerned about everything. And I'm also concerned about our country. Our country has to get back. And, you know, what you're talking is when you are doing what we did with the shutdown, that causes death also. It causes massive depression. It causes drugs. It causes suicide. It causes a lot of problems also. No, our country has to get back to work again. And you see that just looking and reading everything that's happening. Our people want to get back. They want to get back. It's, yeah. Sir, do you have a plan to prevent the spread? If you, if you reopen We do. Schools, we do. We have a great plan to prevent the spread. But that doesn't mean we're going to close our country for five years. Okay? Not going to happen. In the schools, Go ahead. Plan? Death toll is about 86,000. At current, it's about 86,000, yes. Do you think that's accurate or do you think it's higher than that? Uh, I don't, or lower than that. I don't know. I don't know. I, those are the numbers that are being reported. I assume they're correct. Uh, unlike other countries, I mean, you have some countries, obviously, you have some that are very obviously ridiculous, but our numbers are uh, accurate numbers. We don't do anything with the numbers one way or the other. Whatever it is, that's what we do. We take the numbers as reported. 
Okay. Any indication that they could be lower than that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if they were, I'd be very happy if they were lower. I'd like to see numbers lower. I'd like to see no death at all. One death is too many. This should have never happened. This came from China. It should have been stopped in China before it got out to the world. We have 186. It's been updated this morning. 186 countries are affected. And each country that's affected is the same thing. Russia now is badly affected. France is badly affected. You look at what each country, and you can say affected or you can say infected. Either way you want to put it. But you look at these countries, look at Italy, and you look at Spain, and you look at all of these great countries in many cases, how they've... Uh, how they've had to fight through this. It's a terrible thing that happened. It could have been stopped at the source. It should have been stopped right at the source, but it wasn't. Thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That tells you everything you need to know about vaccines. And, you know, it's really important to point out just a few things that may have been missed as you were listening um, uh, that was key. And I took down some notes. So first of all, it was how we're going to be dealing with this, how we're going to be putting this out uh, and how we're going to be stating it. Uh, you know, uh, he made it clear that the the military, he's going to deploy it as fast as possible to distribute it. And that is not going to be a forcible distribute. But he also did mention once again that, you know, the vaccine is not the only, um, you know, cure that we have, he said. And, uh, you know, the, that, that this uh, virus, this coronavirus um, will even go away without a vaccine available. And that's because we have hydroxychloroquine. And why? Remember, like I said earlier, uh, you know, and, and I'm getting so many messages from you guys. Guys, just have faith. I mean, like I said, do you think that the creator would allow us to be harmed in this way, especially when we realize it? It's the realization. Uh, so just pray and have faith. But listen, so you can see just how important talking and uh, demonstrating what is going on is. Listen to this. So it's like she 10 said, cents of it. It's like it costs nothing. So the prescription costs $13. And I had so many very, very sick patients in the office. And so now I today was horrible because I, I treated 15 people that needed 15 prescriptions, could not go there, had to swarm all over Dallas to try to get these right. prescriptions. In fact, and Dr. Lozano, really, really quickly, do you find good results giving hydroxychloroquine to mild to moderate patients. Do you find good results? I have severe patients in the office. I have patients that have been diagnosed with pneumonia and been turned away from clinics. I've got patients that have been turned away from hospitals. I've got patients coming in with temperatures of 102.9, white blood cell counts of 17,000, all positive COVID tests. Their physicians are refusing to give them medication for fear that they are going to be in trouble with the licensing board. And now the uh, the issue we have now is now I've got pharmacists that are refusing to fill this medication. And so this is critical now. I have a huge problem on my hand. I, I, I have patients that are coming in from Austin, Houston, San Antonio. These are not my this is patients. Ridiculous. Yeah, this is, is but, but, you're, but just back to the question really quickly. It's working in patients that you've treated, that you've been able to prescribe it to, correct? Every, every patient that I've treated, serious, moderate, has had resolution of symptoms within 24 hours. They are improved within five hours. 
Um, the fevers are gone within two days. The lung, the lung restriction, which is the most important, mm-hmm. resolves within about four to five hours. You see dramatic improvement. It's it's incredible. I, I'm surprised myself. Dr. Lozano, I hope the FDA is watching this. People's lives are on the line because of these restrictions or these warnings, I should say, because it's trickling down to the pharmacies and the pharmacies board. You educated a lot of people with your, this segment tonight. Thank you for explaining it to us. We really. So the state board wants patient data, private uh, medical identifying, personal identifying information released to them for everyone that has gotten hydroxychloroquine. That tells you everything you need to know. They do not want you to get better. You know, just just what you have to think about is what exactly are they doing? Why are they doing this? This is it. This is it. We, we have to be looking at the details. When DeWine's Dr. Acton said that, you know, we've been diagnosing people with COVID because our test has been picking up other coronavirus. It's incredible. They're telling you that all these deaths are coronavirus with COVID. With COVID, every single person has an underlying condition. There hasn't been people who uh, have actually died just from COVID, just from COVID. There was an article that went out um, uh, just before I started my show from the Washington Examiner, where in San Diego, they're like, yeah, you know, we said that we had like, what, what was it, like 195 people that died? Well, only about five or six of them actually died from coronavirus. So then why are you keeping everyone in their house? Ah, ah, oh, it's not about you being safe. It's not about you being safe. It's about power. It is about, and you know what? You know, I'm not trying to toot my horn. I'm trying to demonstrate to you how there's so very few people that have been saying the consistent same, same thing. But you know, like I said, justice always runs its course and it comes in on a donkey. Justice always comes in on a donkey, hence the patience, hence the patience. And so I wanted to revisit something that I played for you. We're shifting gears from coronavirus. Now we're going to talk swamp. Um, uh, so I wanted to remind you how yesterday I played a clip where the president was asked questions and he was also asked questions in regards to General Flynn. Remember? So I'm going to look for that clip because I want to play that specific, you know, portion of it because it was incredible. Why was it incredible? Because in that clip, what did we hear him say that General Flynn is going to be fine, right? He said that he's going to be okay, but there is a specific, there's a specific portion of it that I want you to hear. And I want us to rehear it together. Cause you know, usually my listeners come back to me with like comments, right? And so they usually say, wait, did he mean this? Did he mean that? So I want you guys to listen to this with me and I'm going to tell you what was missed. So you can see how you're being told everything. Nancy Pelosi knows that, you know, obviously. Thank you, Mr. President. Do you believe that the judge presiding over the Michael Flynn case, uh, Emmett Sullivan, ought to recuse himself or be disqualified for being biased against Mr. Flynn? I was just with General Milley and some other generals, and I asked them about 
General Flynn. Do you know him? They said, yes, sir. I've known him for 20 years. What do you think? He's an incredible man, an incredible soldier. He's an incredible general. This is General Milley. Okay, did you hear that? So who did he speak to? The the cabinet. Wait, just listen to what he said. Michael Flynn case. Uh, Emmett Sullivan ought to recuse himself or be disqualified for being biased against Mr. Flynn. I was just with General Milley and some other generals, and I asked them about General Flynn. Do you know him? They said, yes, sir. I've known him for 20 years. What do you think? He's an incredible man, an incredible soldier. He's an incredible general. This is General Milley, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, four-star. He's done fantastically. He thinks General Flynn is a great, great gentleman and a real fighter. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Why would the president be sitting in there, sitting with the Joint Chiefs of Staff and everybody else in the cabinet, asking them what they think of General Flynn? Just think about it. Oh, they're just making small talk. Oh, they're just talking about that case. Ah, so when do you ask someone? So how's this? Hey, so I'm thinking of, uh, you know, putting up a Ratcliffe for ODNI. What do you think of him? Well, I think this, 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 excuse me. I had to sneeze. That's how the conversations happen, right? The conversations, how they go about on asking, so what do you think is usually when they're being courted or being considered for specific positions? Listen to this. And when I see what is happening to him, it's disgraceful. And it was all a ruse. And by the way, the FBI said he didn't lie. The FBI said he did not lie. So with all the stuff I'm hearing about lying, the FBI said he didn't lie, but the uh, sleazebag said, well, we don't care what he's, what they say, we're saying he lied. Okay, but the FBI, you remember when they left, they said he didn't lie. What they've done to that man and that family is a disgrace. But I just tell you that because I just left General Milley and he said, a great man and a great soldier. Would you consider a pardon, a pardon for Mr. I won't talk about that, but he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. Be just fine. He's going to be just fine. I'm very, very uh, saddened by what's happening to General Flynn and others. I want to tell you right now, and others. And others, so many others around the nation that you don't even hear about because they're not generals. They're not in the public sphere. That's why. So um, I want you guys um, to remember that because it's going to be really important come fall after the elections. Okay, so now let's 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 uh, visit a little bit on this whole Flynn unmasking thing. Let's just introduce this concept for a little bit, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, they unmask. What does that mean? Well, I told you what that meant and how important it is. So, um, you know. What what needs to be understood, okay, is that everything has a reason. Everything that's being said, everything that's being done is for a reason. Unmasking. How do we discuss unmasking without understanding what the process is? So why would someone request records of unmasking, meaning making it open 
taking information of this person to see who they are. Remember, he was DIA. Remember, he had clearances. Remember all of this. So the question is, everybody keeps saying it's a phone call from the 29th. It was actually one discussing stuff about the UN on the 22nd. And so it's totally normal for the incoming national security advisor to have conversations with many leaders across the world uh, because they are in a quasi-official position. This is a transition period. This is where they're like, hey, yeah, so I'm starting this job and stuff and I'm getting to know you and, you know, yeah, we should talk. Hey, nice to meet you, you know, things like that. So this is all very, very important because uh, it makes sense as to how this all started and why it all started and just makes you think. I mean, everybody keeps saying he knows where the bodies are buried. Guys, it's way more than that. Way more than that. So I want you to hear this short clip of Jim Jordan, who I would totally adore to pick his brain on air with you guys, um, where he talked about how the media is actually applauding uh, the FBI abuse. And that's that's crazy because yesterday we heard that insane person, wait, who's like, we need a non-biased Department of Justice. We need someone that's not going to be doing this and that. You know, we need, you know, a clean, you know, DOJ that doesn't da-da-da. They're even downplaying it. So let's start with the down downplay because that's the most fun part how fox and friends demonstrated the downplay but in this you're also going to see how fox and friends is also downplaying it take a listen the trump administration trying to exact revenge on enemies uh, perceived and real mostly perceived of course manufacturing a scandal that targets trump's political enemies the president claims without evidence that the obama white house was trying to undermine him and his former national security advisor the president and his allies are taking what is a relatively routine intelligence matter and whipping it up into this conspiracy theory Okay, well, after covering the Russia collusion theory for, what, three years? Many of the media now downplaying the Michael Flynn unmasking revelations. Here to discuss, we've got the senior writer at the Heritage Foundation, Kelsey Buller, screen right, and media reporter for The Hill, Joe Concha, joins me four blocks from, he's in his remote location, four blocks from my remote location. Joe and Kelsey, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for giving away my undisclosed location, Steve. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. I've got Wikipedia. I know where you live. Uh, Kelsey, let's start with this. Uh, you know, why has there been such limited coverage of the Flynn unmasking when this is what the President of the United States has referred to as the biggest political scandal in the history of the United States of America? Well, the media is suddenly claiming that it's impossible to cover two stories at one time. Of course, they can and should be covering any and all coronavirus news, but they also should be covering mm -hmm. uh, the unmasking scandal of Michael Flynn after spending three years uh, reporting on this day in and day out, uh, sending us breaking news alerts, uh, uh, having Adam Schiff on TV every day who was promising that there was evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. It's completely 
completely hypocritical. It shows the deeper agenda going on here. And I can't help but point out uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times won Pulitzer Prizes for their coverage. They're, quote, deeply sourced and relentless coverage of the Trump-Russia collusion uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, of, I'll give them that they covered it relentlessly, um, but it was not deeply sourced. We now know the source of that intelligence was an illegal leak uh, to the Washington Post. And now they conveniently don't want to cover the real scandal that mm-hmm. it appears we're learning about involving the Obama administration. All right. And of course, the president has made it very clear those people should give their awards back, he says. But since you brought up the fact, Kelsey, that uh, there for three years, we heard the drumbeat of Russia collusion, Russia collusion. Adam Schiff says he's got evidence of it. And yet it has now been proven, according to interviews with Every official in the administration, they couldn't find any of that stuff. Nonetheless, the media has been touting this. Joe, I'm going to play this and then get your reaction after this. We do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. Adam Schiff, the top Democrat, saying there is significant evidence of collusion. One of the things we heard from Adam Schiff, we just heard it from Adam Schiff. We heard from Adam Schiff. We heard from Adam Schiff. The top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee is warning today that there is already evidence that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. And Joe, uh, Concha, the problem is because those networks and reporters were so in on that narrative, Russia collusion. Uh, Adam Schiff has evidence. You know, fast forward to today and it's like, okay, now we know there was no collusion, uh, at least evidence of that, that was presented to the uh, various committees. And they invested in that story that simply was not true. You could say, Steve, that Adam Schiff is the Michael Avenatti of lawmakers. In other words, he was on cable news more than any lawmaker in Congress. He got a free stage to say whatever he wanted to, very rarely challenged, and never asked for actual evidence when he said he had evidence. And look, the bottom line is, the old mantra in media is to speak truth to power without fear or favor to party. And... I'm not seeing that here, and it's, it's obvious for, for the reasons why. I see James Clapper on CNN on Wednesday, for instance, and you could field, by the way, an entire baseball team of ex-Obama intelligence officials that now work for CNN, including Andy McCabe, who lied to the FBI and was fired for it, and instead of he being sent off never to be spoken on a national stage again, he gets hired by the network to talk about ethics and law enforcement, which is really quite a remarkable thing. But here's the question that needs to be asked, Okay, if you're going to say that unmasking is routine, as Clapper said, then why isn't anybody asking, okay, how did it get leaked to the Washington Post exactly? That's sensitive information, because at last check, Steve, that is a felony. And look, James Comey admitted in open testimony... By the way, that's what I was reading when I said felony instead of misdemeanor in the first hour, and I had to correct myself. I was just looking at the felony charges that are coming down. An intelligence committee, May 2017, that he leaked to the media. He said he was proud of it because he wanted to prompt a special counsel into the Russia investigation. So this is something that ex-intelligent officials continually did, leaking to the media. And why do you do that? It's to push a narrative, a nefarious one, and it's to take intelligence and use it as a political weapon.
Wait, but the media are part of the farm. And that is something that we should be asking about instead of talking about how this story isn't a story at all. It's a huge story and deserves a heck of a lot more attention than it's getting, Steve. Well, this is all going to be coming into focus when impeachment comes in, right? Because, see, there's a lot of stuff that people are missing, like, you know, how Clapper was sweating the other day when uh, he was asked the real question. Okay, so asking for names, nothing wrong with that. Unmasking in and of itself, nothing wrong with that leaking classified information and by definition these phone calls were classified that's a problem correct uh absolutely so uh unmasking and uh you know spying on people is not a problem the cnn is telling you it's no big deal that they unmasked and they spied and they did this is what cnn is now telling the world that's okay but the leaking is a problem because you know leaking charges are coming it is. Um, and if anyone did leak the contents of these conversations with or without the name, that would be a problem. Yes. Uh, we've lost the shot. I wonder if we can at least get him on the phone to finish this. Let's try to get Director Clapper back. Oh, did it disconnect? All right. We're going to work. We're going to work on getting that shot back. But uh, joining me now. Is- that was really weird, wasn't it? It seems like, you know, disconnected. Mm, let's listen to this. Uh, given my age demographic, I'd be happy to come uh, after I've been vaccinated for COVID-19. <laughs> Would you testify well, remotely? I, 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 could do it, I could do it remotely as the case with uh, the Fauci hearing or uh, respond to questions or, or, or that sort of thing. But uh, I don't particularly want to put my life or that of my wife uh, in life in jeopardy uh, for uh, in, pre- in person testimony. Oh, coronavirus. What is your response to those? And you've seen the headlines today and you've seen some of the coverage who are saying this is proof of a political witch hunt. Well, I don't think it, it's any such thing. Uh, again, this this program, is, which has long existed and is the way it operates, is designed to minimize the identity of U.S. persons who may be engaged in, in innocent activities. Oh, so even if you're engaged in innocent activities, we get to unmask you. And, and it's a very valuable tool. Valuable tool. To, to know about what is going on in these engagements with valid foreign intelligence targets. And I can't stress that. Uh, enough. Is this why they had the ambassador of Turkey and all these foreign guys, the ambassador of, uh, you know, ambassador, the U.S. ambassador in Turkey, the U.S. ambassador in Russia, do all the unmasking, had nothing to do with what they needed for their fake steel dossier, which, by the way, by the way, you know, uh, from uh, Paul Sperry, he just gave me that missing piece The missing piece that I was looking for, see, I don't, you know, when these people are talking or exchanging communications and I was sitting in the middle of it, literally with a bucket of popcorn, just watching this, um, and couldn't say a word. I could only drop hints. Um, they, he gave me what to run with guys. The steel dossier was made in America. It wasn't even made overseas. It was made in America. Yeah. You're going to be like, no, duh, tour. You know, we know that we know that because it was Comey, Clapper, Obama, all of them paid struck, all of them adding to it. But it was, what if I told you that generals were behind it? Former generals were behind it. And I already told you about McChrystal and they're proud of it because didn't they admit that they meddled 
riddled with the 2018 elections. And lo and behold, what do we have being reported? Hey, this company actually meddled with the 2018 mid-year, you know, midterm elections. And it's like, wait a minute, didn't Operation Disinfo or Disinfo uh, Operations say that they meddled with them? Say that they did Russian antics so they can sway the elections and meddle with the elections? Wait a minute, are you telling me that General McChrystal, General McChrystal, former General McChrystal actually did this? That he helped put Jihadi Omar in office? That he helped put Rashida Tlaib, who is an asset, remember, she was born in El Salvador and came here. Look at their paper trail. Are you saying that they helped usher this in? Oh, wow. Isn't that incredible? And that's the predicate for the operation of the program. And it's a very important capability for protecting the national security of the country. So it was their duty to check out the national security advisor so they can stop Trump, right? That's what they're saying. Take a listen to what Jim Jordan has to say. Now is Congressman Jim Jordan, ranking member of the House Oversight Committee. Congressman, since the media are not going to search for (laughs) new leads, you know, it's left to folks like you, okay? One of the facts missing thus far is what did the actual requests for unmasking say because unmasking is not illegal I and mean, these people right. have the authority to do that but what did the request for unmasking actually say by all those individuals who filed them yeah. uh, against Flynn yeah what was their reason and why so many people and why all in this interesting time and as you just pointed out Laura the media was cheerleaders for this entire effort and their cheerleading took place at interesting times as well think about January of 2017 during the transition on the 4th of January you got you got uh, Peter Strzok telling the agents hey don't drop the case against Flynn keep it up Comey told me to told me to tell you to keep pursuing Mike Flynn the next day Comey meets with President Obama in the Oval Office and talks about Mike Flynn. January 6th, Comey goes up to New York and briefs President Trump on the dossier. He already knows is false, misleading, and paid for by the Clinton campaign, and yet briefs him on. And then that leaks, the dossier, that, the fact that he had that conversation. And then the leak you pointed out, January 12th, David Ignatius' story leaks. And then what do they do on the 24th of January? Jim Comey sends two agents, sneaks them into the White House to set up Michael Flynn. That Ignatius story helped all that play out. So they're cheerleaders, not just in a general sense for the left and for the Democrats. They're cheerleaders at interesting times in the sequence of events. So those are the kind of things we need to get answers to. Yeah, well, and as someone said earlier today, I can't remember what I was watching, but it was like the, the, the journalists become participants in the ongoing saga to try to kneecap Trump or take out one of his top people to then kneecap Trump. So they become participants rather than curious, aggressive journalists who say, well, why is that being leaked to me? Maybe there's a deeper story here. What's your Well, yeah, you're right, because that's what we've been saying, right? That what they've been doing is they've been helping. They have been recruited by the unelected, the fourth unelected branch of government to help usher this coup over. I'll see you in a bit.
right. Welcome back, everyone. Now, we only have about 12 minutes left, and I just wanted to say, you know, we see, and I'm going to play the rest of what Jim Jordan had to say, we see that the media is actively trying to continue this fear. They're downplaying the horrific atrocities that were done by the former administration and the administrations before that and before that. But we've just caught this one red-handed. So what, you know, people need to understand is this is all part of the plan. I mean, even during the speech, you know, where they asked the president, why is no, not, why isn't everybody wearing masks? <laughs> Cause they know <laughs> that's why you're not wearing masks and you're pretending Be- because you don't even believe the lies you're peddling yet. The ones that have to are the ones that are subduing. So, you know, this is one of the most important moments. And like I said, for the rest of this month, We are going to have a lot coming out. And then when June and July and August are going through, you're going to be like, come on, man. Like, this is a crime. We see it like leaking, lying, Comey, super felony. No one's talking about it. He's been sitting out for three years per se, as you perceive for three years, just sitting out on it. No big deal. The only thing you have to do is have faith because it's all going to come down. Remember, it's all going to come down and it'll be glorious because you heard him say it. He's been talking to who that's all you have to think about. That's all you have to know is who, who did he say, uh, you know, he was talking to listen. Is that bill a non-starter is there to recuse himself or be disqualified for being biased against Mr. Flynn? I was just with general Milley. Thank you, Mr. President. Do you believe that the judge presiding over the Michael Flynn case, uh, Emmett Sullivan, ought to recuse himself or be disqualified for being biased against Mr. Flynn? I was just with General Milley. Huh. That's all you have to know. And that's all you have to remember. Just have faith, guys. You know, just have faith. Have faith in good. Do not let evil uh, make you fear. Just have faith your motivation and leaking to me instead just repeating it and running with it and you know being a liberal reporter means never having to say you're sorry right right and they should have to say that because remember what the president said he said they spied on our campaign he said this is not true there was no collusion between anything our campaign did anything i did and russia he he said those things and of course he was and he said this whole thing was a witch hunt and now after all these facts come out we, we see exactly that each of those three statements by the president has proven to be true. And yet they just keep on going with their narrative because they're so determined to go after this president. You know, this, this, is a, this is a simple principle here. When you drain the swamp, the swamp fights back. Even, even when they know they're wrong and even when it's proven they're wrong, they keep fighting back. Yeah. Now, last night during an Ingram Angle exclusive, John Solomon reported that Marie Ivanovich omitted mentioning her Burisma meetings during her impeachment testimony. You sent a letter to Pompeo about this. Tell us more very quickly, about 30 seconds. Well, what she said in the deposition, what she said when she testified in the impeachment hearing is different than what the documents seem to reveal. And I give Lee Zeldin a, a tremendous amount of credit because he pushed her during the deposition, got her to say that, oh, it was just a briefing I got when I was getting ready for my confirmation. But it turns out she talked about Burisma and Hunter Biden a lot more than she indicated. We want to see the documents unredacted so we can get a better and closer look at what really took place here. All right. Well, we're talking about the lionization of whistleblowers and people related to whistleblowers. And uh, that story fits right in with it. Congressman, thanks so much. Bet. Thanks, Laura. So 
So we were talking about unmasking, right? So here's where we're going to get down and dirty. First of all, I just wanted to tell you guys, I have a really huge piece coming out on Diane Feinstein. I'm almost finished with it. I was hoping that I would get a hold of some guy uh, that may have some pretty interesting information, uh, you know, in regards to... Um, uh, Diane Feinstein herself and, uh, you know, the murders because her career was built on blood and is ending in treason. And that is exactly what we are going to observe. And hopefully I can get that out because, you know, I've been, uh, you know, trying just like everybody else, uh, to make ends meet in this coronavirus, right? And I have finally been able to get a few more hours of work, uh, you know, as some states have opened up, which is great. And finally in my state, State, the uh, pandemic unemployment assistance or whatever has opened up. So hopefully that'll pan through. I mean, they were pretty quick in accepting my claim the minute it opened up yesterday. I got a re- request to like put in what contract work I have done, how many hours I have done so they can assess that. So that's really good. Um, so hopefully that'll help. Um so, you know, the, the economy is starting to come back, um, obviously because, uh, uh, you know, agencies contacted me and, um, that is pretty interesting. Uh, but what are we going to see now? Okay. We're, um, we're going to see the exposés coming out. So we've got Diane Feinstein, uh, that's coming out and that's coming out from Richard Burr's phone. I was very impressed to see that finally Paul Sperry is reporting what I've been saying for years where Daniel Jones is a key player. But one thing that I've been saying all this time is they're very smart. You have to think to yourself, why would I, I, an American citizen, be working for a co- as a contractor to a company that contracts with uh, federal agencies and the intelligence community once or twice removed that is overseas? Why? Because it's not considered spying and I'm not violating anyone's rights, right, if I have a company that's located, I don't know, in Luxembourg, or if I employ, I don't know, the prime minister of France, or I don't know, the mayor of London, or I don't know, the now prime minister of England to unmask people and request information from their intelligence agency that comes to our company, I mean, Brennan's company, where then it takes the information from the company in the U.S. to the intelligence community in the U.S. because the prime minister is asking, this, uh, you know, uh, MP is asking, this person is asking for their national security. So when we have foreign governments doing it, is it illegal? That's the question. Yes, it is. When we're the ones that requested them to do it. See, this is how they do their whole degrees of separation. This is how we see... Now, I'm going to tell you, the Mueller investigation, huh, the, that money, the contract state that they were paying a foreign registered company to do it. Again, foreign registered. So it makes you wonder, all of these thousands of subpoenas, these interviews, the paperwork, the hacking, the requests were done by non-American companies. I repeat, non-American companies all falling under 
under the freaking crown. So here we have Game of Thrones playing out right in front of us. Here we have them pushing their narrative all the while they're colluding with foreign nations and foreign entities to overthrow the Trump administration. This is ridiculous. And then they boldly, boldly hire American citizens, former generals, to do the dirty and scut work here. It is disgusting. It is horrible. And I'll tell you what, it's all going to be coming to the surface. And as you see it come to the surface, you're going to hear them screech. You're going to hear them freak out. They're going to be telling you how nuts you are saying it. They're going to tell you how insane you are all the while terrorizing you that you must stay indoors because you will die of coronavirus. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. Yes, he will. He will not only go down as the worst president in the United States, he will go down as the most treasonous person to ever to ever hold any office ever. I mean, we could talk about McCain. We could talk about Biden and the Clintons. You know, we could talk about all that because they've all killed. They've all silenced people. You know, how Joe Biden, oh, there's nothing there. Then why was there an investigation in the 90s? Why were there questions in the 90s if that never happened and it was, and she was fired because she just wasn't good at her job? It had nothing to do with her saying something. Unlike Monica Lewinsky who turned up with a dress that had DNA but you know she was a mistress and you know mistresses always hold on to the dresses for proof so insane I can't believe that anyone would even you know think that 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 would actually fly with people people aren't stupid right are you no you know better don't you Operation Warp Speed, Warp Speed, Warp, because we're warping everything. But, you know, when you're going to want to go really fast, what do you do first? Have you seen it in the cartoons where they, like, run in place and then they shoot off? Well, the running in place is going to be June, July, August. So stay tuned on that. And remember, always have faith. Uh, Don't look at it, uh, you know, from a perspective of, oh, we're losing the war. Oh, we're losing this. Oh, they're winning. They're not winning anything, you guys. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. So for my subscribers on Subscribestar, you're going to get that first article with Diane Feinstein, hopefully pumped out in the next hour or so, and uh, the exclusive contest for that special guest. See you Monday. 